Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Real Estate Confidant School. I'm your host, Mike Razor, here in New York City. Hopefully, you all are having an amazing day. Um, I am going to come back quickly with uh, after this commercial break, but stay tuned. Really quick. This episode is brought to you by Paula's, Paula's Soul Food in Hackensack, New Jersey. Oh, man, their food is amazing. Uh, when you get a chance, uh, go check them out, uh, get a couple pieces, uh, fried chicken, collard greens, uh, candied yams, all the good stuff. That's, uh, Paula's in Hackensack. <sighs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Real Estate Confidant School. I'm your host, Mike Razor, here in New York City. Listen, listen, listen. Hopefully you all are doing well during COVID times. Uh, as you all know, I've had COVID in the past, was hospitalized for about a month with no exaggeration. And even after hospitalization, I still had to stay home uh, and gradually progress. Uh, I couldn't walk two, three blocks uh, without uh, going back home. And I'm not talking about just stopping to sit and wait a minute. No, I went back home. I had to sit, wait, then go back home and rest. Uh, So be careful, ladies and gentlemen. Take your time out there. Uh, It's really a thing. And whether this thing is an art of war, uh, you know, for those who've read that book, or, you know, it's just another uh, um, another plague or another, you know, virus that's uh, come up, come about every 10 or 20 years. Uh, look, there's something important that I want to discuss. And I think it's important because it's something that we all deal with or have dealt with in the past. Um, barrier to entry. Uh, and I think it's important to discuss, especially for newbie real estate professionals who have not experienced it yet, because it could be very discouraging. So you have divides, invisible divides. You have uh, companies, people, places that divide to whom may receive approvals for loans, uh, approvals for uh, condo co-op applications, uh, homes, um, grants, loan, like just in general. Uh, and it's very important for you to understand that as an overall fixture, this game is war. Underlyingly. If you're not willing to play this game, then don't play it at all. I've been knocked down several times and got up. Knocked down seven, got up eight. You just have to keep going if you really love what you're doing. You have to find various strategies of growth and structure to get past the point of where people have decided to block entry. 
Now, some of this, these blocks of entry have to do with monetary entry, have to do with racial entry, have to do with religious entry, have to do with the overall structure of entry that the government laws give access to and those in the counties and states that don't allow or do allow these accesses. Okay, so let's 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 uh, dive in a little bit. Say you want. to. So what are we talking here? Say, for example, you decide that you want to, as an investor, you want to go and you want to purchase a property. You decide that you want to focus on condo co-ops, for example. You go to a pretty nice neighborhood, maybe Hackensack, you know, uh, maybe some place in Atlanta. And you go to the management office, you get an application, you know, to figure out what you're going to do. You fill out the forms and they initially tell you, well, they no, they don't tell you. They ask you what your income is. First barrier to entry. If you don't make a certain amount, you can't get in. Second question. Now, these are general general questions that. In co-op condos, there are requirements that the boards and the members decide that they want to uphold to just to make sure the uh, the neighborhood is upkept, to, to make sure that the uh, facilities are taken care of and all that stuff. So it's understandable. So I'm not, it's not across the board that there's problems like this, but when it becomes what is called an excessive and unimaginable price. For example, now your income goes through. Okay, you make, seems like you make enough, right? But now you have, not only do you have to put 20% down of whatever the amount is, which condo co-op prices are a little lower than your average price for, you know, a unit, which is fine. But then you have to have a minimum of $135,000 in the bank, just sitting in the bank. Or a minimum of forty dollars or $50,000 just sitting in the bank for your application to even be seen. Why is it that we can't just focus on the uh, income, the years of taxation, the uh, down payment, you know, in closing costs and all that? Where does the $135,000 come into play in the bank? Now, they would, people would say, well, the 135 is in a, is for emergencies. In case something happens, somebody gets sick, this, that, and the third, they're unable to pay, that'll be reserved. Right? 
So it's understood. At the same time, if the mortgage is a hundred, I mean, if the if the if the purchase price is, say, for example, one hundred seventy five thousand dollars or one hundred and thirty five thousand dollars. Right. And then you have common common charges uh, or maintenance fees and stuff that equate to, I say, like two thousand dollars. Right. Equate to two thousand dollars a month. Then. They shouldn't have to have one hundred and thirty five thousand dollars sitting in the bank. But that's just my opinion. Barrier to entry is there at that point. And these what these are is like these are things that don't really make sense, but make sense. It goes with the law that the government requires. But at the same time, it's a little bit above the law. You know what I mean? This is what I'm saying. To keep a certain group of people out, to, see, to, to keep a certain income level out, you calculate the numbers. Everybody knows this. Calculate the numbers and the numbers will show who could afford what. The average community type. And you work with that. Hey, it's, 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 it's easy, easy numbers, right? So, not saying everybody does this, but people do it. People do it. Right? People do it. Let me give you another example. Let me give you another example. Give me one second. Just typing. You might hear some kids in the background. Oh, there it goes. What in the world is going on? I'm literally on the computer right now. For some reason, this thing is acting a little crazy. <clears throat> okay. So, give, give another example. If somebody wants to get a loan for a home, and they want to get it under an FHA, right? They decide they want to get it under an FHA. They speak to the mortgage broker. The mortgage broker looks at their credit and tells them, oh, your credit is good enough to get an FHA, but I want your credit to be a little higher to get this home. You think nothing of it, right? This time, it's a specific neighborhood. Now, prior to, when you went to the broker prior to, to another neighborhood, there was no problem. A lower income neighborhood. There was no problem. There was no questioning. There was no, let's wait till you get to a higher income. It was, let's push this paper through. And the only reason it didn't go through at the, on the back end is because something was wrong with the piping or something like that in the basement. But this time, you're in a nicer neighborhood. You find a nicer home, brownstone, something to that effect, 
in a gentrified community. Not saying everybody does this, just throwing it out there. This is from experience. Even though it was asked to not do that, to not wait until the credit has increased, to put the application through, the option of doing that was denied. Why? Now, we could speculate various reasons, obviously, but I'm talking about lines of bar- uh, barriers of entry that may be good, may be bad, but it's all relative to what the, uh, um, what the law states, right? So, next thing, the, the uh, credit increases, and then you go back to the broker, and the broker says, oh, it needs to be a little higher. Now, mind you, for FHA loans, you could, you could, get a five, you could have a 580 or a little less. So at, some point, at some, you could have 500. Okay, so this should have been a no brainer income there. Been working at a specific location for years, 10 plus years. Right. Money in the bank, ready to go. Didn't allow it. Why? What other what other reasoning could there be? Just didn't make sense. So, these are all speculative, obviously. But if, you are in very, if you've been in real estate as long as I have, you know the difference. You could tell the difference. Okay? And this, this is across the board with regard to various, various races. Hold on. So, now this is across the board with various races, various groups, various companies. Okay, so I'm not pinpointing one. Let's, let's get on with, with another, another really quickly. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but now we're talking about finding a property, looking at the numbers, doing the calculations, it all working out, reaching out to the quote unquote listing agent, for example, listing agent comes back to me and asks to see a pre-approval. I tell him, okay, that's fine. I submit my pre-approval letter to the gentleman. After I'd already put an offer in the first time, I don't need to look at the property If I see it, if I know the neighborhood, I've seen it. I know what it looks like. I've seen the pictures of the interior and should be fine. The gentleman, uh, the gentleman comes back to me and tells me he doesn't think that the pre-approval is real. I 
have never and had never experienced that in my life. So he asked to see credit report. I showed him the credit report. Credit is good. Pre-approval is good. Uh, Got the down payment, money in the bank. I even have the good faith deposit. And the gentleman then, then, then calls the mortgage broker that I was working with to confirm. It took the mortgage broker to... Uh, 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 explain to him our relationship for him to believe for whatever reason that I was legitimate. Why? I don't know. Well, no, I do know. When you're a real estate agent, when you're a real estate broker, there's a lot of other agents and brokers that don't trust you. Maybe because they've been skimmed. Maybe it's because this is just how they do business. One, all, you know, one man for themselves, all men for themselves type of mentality. But then it becomes a barrier to entry. And now the gentleman tells me, well, his wife, um, Owns the property when I didn't know that. Two, then he says, uh, we're, you know, she's really looking for a, uh, a, a conventional loan, a loan that doesn't have to go through FHA. Barry to entry. Is that legal? I have to look in the paperwork. But I I guess it is because if she owned it, she has the right to deny any application or whatever if she decides to do it. But I have I didn't speak to her. Right. And I know FHA loans. There's a bit of a process. FHA has to inspect the property. So maybe there was something at, at the property that they felt would not be approved. Even still, that should have been explained. You understand what I'm saying? Barry to entry. Now, the last thing I want to discuss is these mortgage lenders. As a mortgage broker, as a senior underwriter, excuse me, let's go to the underwriters. If you're an underwriter, you have a very big responsibility. You have to look at all the details of documentation. And when you do so, it has to be by code, you know, every step of the way. Now, look, it's one thing when you're actually doing your job and doing it right. And there's another thing when you are Specifically giving certain people approvals. Okay. Whether it's because you like them, you don't like them. Whether it's because the, you know, the, the person that you decided to give the loan to 
attends your church or your school and the other gentleman doesn't. Come on now, people. Pay attention. Not all people do this, but I've experienced some and I know too many other people, too many people who have come to me to want to come on this show to express how they, you know, how they felt because they love the industry. Right. They love the industry. But like I said in the beginning of the show, this is a war game. This is war. So, unfortunately, we are still divided as a people, as a nation, as a world. We are all still divided. And it still comes down to whether I like you, you like me, the numbers, as long as the numbers look right. This is what I'm going to go to. People, whether you have been broken in the past because of someone else's doing or not. This is a part of the game. You got to keep on going and doing it the right way. Because what's going to end up happening, you're going to do it to the wrong person. And that person is going to be very powerful. And you're going to be torn to pieces. You will be stripped and drug in the mud. Okay. Think about it, though. So, that's all I wanted to discuss today. I'm working on a few projects to bring some people on to discuss their experiences in real estate and various things. So that you guys, as newbie professionals, real estate agents, real estate investors, know the work, know the process. As a matter of fact, for this last one, look... A mentor of mine was telling a story that he experienced years ago where he owned a business that required some oil drilling. Sorry about that. I had a phone call. So the what was explained was he had an oil drilling company at the time, and he had people drilling holes, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a certain amount of oil that was, would come up every, every month or what have you. And the calculations for the numbers didn't look right. So he went down to Texas, looked at, the, looked at what everything, how everything was going, and... He didn't really see a problem until he left. As he was leaving, he thought about why from one day to the next, the numbers were the same. 
never changed the calculation of how much oil was being taken up every single day equated to the same amount, which and that didn't make sense to him. So he got off the train. He went back to the place with his team and he asked the questions. And we, he found out that the gentleman that was doing the work for him, he found out that that gentleman was taking money from the company, miscalculating deliberately to skim off the top. No, 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 no. And then he made a remark to the owner that, was inappropriate and I won't get into what it was that was said but that gentleman ended up you know having to be dealt with however they dealt with him the point is there's a thin line between success and it's done You'll, you know everything is over for you You have to really make value decisions. And those individuals who have been doing this for a while, you know, you you understand. You know this is a game of war. There's certain things you do, don't do, this, that, and the third. But the point is, if you're going to be that warrior, if you're going to be in war in this business, whether as an agent, a broker, or an investor, then make sure you're just as strong as your weakest link. Make sure you have no weak links. And make sure you do your due diligence wholeheartedly, 100%. Because even though I'm doing this podcast, people that listen, some won't care. And that's fine. You got lions in the jungle, but then you got gorillas that can knock them out in other other parts of the jungle. So don't play. Tigers. You understand? So, look, if you guys need help, those people who are just getting into the into the system, trying to understand how things flow. This is why we're here. Send us a message, and we'll be able to help you. All right. Talk to you soon. This is Mike Razor. I'm the real estate confidant, and I'm out. <laughs>